I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Ladies and gentlemen, it is showtime. Please welcome the team of the Fulhamish Podcast. It's the Fulhamish Podcast, your independent voice of Fulham FC. My name's Sammy James, and on today's show, we're not going to be discussing what happened in the Spurs-Fulham game, but we might be discussing why it didn't go ahead. A little bit of an extraordinary situation to talk about on the pod. We're going to be getting Peter Rutzler's view on a dramatic day uh, for all things FFC uh, later on in the podcast. Also, we're going to be previewing Sunday's game against Burnley if it goes ahead. It's, it's a weird time, isn't it? Uh, here to discuss the non-events of today was is Jack Collins. Hello, listeners. And um, Farrell Monk. Hello, Sammy. How are you doing? Yeah, fine, thank you. I mean, I'd be lying if I'd say that everything's wonderful. And, you know, what, how do you intro a game that didn't happen, Jack? I don't know. I, I, I think you did, you did very well. And non-events was a nice one and, and a proper non-sequitur today, wasn't it? Absolutely wrecked. But um, it is what it is. We're actually recording at the time the game would have been, which is quite weird. I was going to say, like, what's happened already? We're 2-0 up and Geese has got two. Baller. 2-0 up on their way to a 7-0 historic victory at uh, our first ever visit to the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. I mean, Farrell, we, we had signs that this was going to happen um, earlier in the week. It was reported that Fulham had a number of, of COVID-19 cases. 18 were recorded in the Premier League in total. We don't know how many of those relate um, to, to Fulham, but I guess the safety of everyone concerned has to play a part. What's weird though, is that it took so long for it to be postponed. It was, you know, when it was Tuesday, when this announced that it could happen and it was only three hours before kickoff that it was actually called off. Well, I suppose that the, the Man City and Everton game on Monday was cancelled. And again, that was only a few hours before kickoff that that was postponed. So an already a precedence has been set in that regard that they can just call off games when they feel it's necessary to do so. I mean, the safest option is to call off the games when they don't feel like it's fair or, or too safe for the for the rest of the playing squad and the staff to then you know mix with another another squad per se. So in the end, it's probably the right call. The exact nature of who and what and how is probably second to everything else involved, regardless of who it is. That you know it it, it doesn't discriminate against you know whether this person is Frank Zambo and Gisa or or you know the kit man. So the safety is paramount, as, as we've been talking about. But we can probably talk about for endlessly about whether it's a good thing or a bad thing for the for the results in the Premier League. But now that we've had two games in quick succession called off, uh, the Premier League talk about their COVID nineteen you know protocols, two entire fixtures in such a short short space of time being called off. It, it does it does call into question some of those protocols that the Premier League have that they aren't really safeguarding the entirety of the, of the squad and the players and everyone, everyone involved. Do they have to be more careful? I don't know what these protocols are, but something needs to be looked at. Yeah, I I think that's a, 
a valid point like it's one of those things where we're now in this sort of strange period between between games we've seen the Everton versus City game called off we've now seen the Fulham versus Tottenham game called off and the questions now are how far does this go and and can we take things forward and obviously we're going to look forward to that Burnley game at the end of the episode but the question is does that go ahead is it safe for that to go ahead and and when these things are not not just livelihoods on the line, but you know, players' health and and the long term effects. And we've seen long term effects for players across the board, right? We've seen people struggle with it. We've seen players come out and talk about it. And and yes, it's it's unlikely, but at the same time, we've seen that people do struggle with with long COVID and what these things are. And and in that regard, especially for a sports person, you know, to to damage their lungs and, and the parts of their body that that generally make this sport playable. Seems like a mad, mad thing to do. So, look, we were all massively pro sport coming back, our main pro sport coming back, but we've just got to be very careful. And at the moment, it feels like things are a little bit out of control, whether that's just because of the situation we're in over Christmas and, and the whole, you know, new variant and new strains that we're being told about. I don't know, but whatever that is and whatever that reason is, I think we just need to be very careful over this little period. Yeah, I think it's really hard to call at the moment whether the Premier League are doing the right thing or the wrong thing, but there obviously is a protocol in place as to what happens if there are too many cases within the squad. And and the Premier League does have some some match weeks towards the end of the season where they can play rearranged games. They did foresee this happening. And this is only the third game this season to be called off. And, and look, the country's in a mess right now when it comes to, to COVID. They've announced more tiers today. Pretty much the whole country is either in tier four or, or tier three. And this is bigger than football, isn't it? And and obviously players' livelihoods are on the line, but players' families' livelihoods are on the line. Players might live with their mum, their dad, their, their, their gran, whoever. And yes, they'll be worried about their own physical fitness, but you know, the proof is in the pudding that very few fit people suffer with effects of COVID-19. And there's a couple of cases, Alan Samaxaman at Newcastle uh, appearing to be one of them. The risk is pretty low to footballers, but you can totally see that they might be worried about bringing it home to, to a member of their family that they might live with, etc. So I think the right call has been made here. From a Fulham perspective, does this suit us? Is this in our favour? I know it's a bit callous to look at things like oh uh, a COVID-19 suspension that that's good for Fulham of course it's not but Burnley if we do play them on Sunday Farrell will have played two games in the time that Fulham haven't played games at, at, at a moment where physical fitness plays a key part over a tight Christmas fixture list it could it could see us in good stead for Sunday's game I think probably not I would go you know I actually think it's quite a good time to play Tottenham and I thought it was funny that that there was a lot of Tottenham fans saying ah Fulham are being punished you know we're being punished because Fulham can't play make them play us now we we don't want to play them during our European campaigns and I was thinking Spurs are on a terrible run of form. This is this is a great time to play Spurs. They are, you know, they're stumbling. They've got a lot of players injured. And, and also, you know, look at things and the kind of madness of this period. This is exactly when you want to play the top teams, when they're feeling a bit jaded, you know, when the, the rotations can't quite work because there's injuries piling up. This is a, a game that I think tonight we would have taken on and, and taken at Spurs. And, and when you look at it, in that kind of perspective, I think it's probably not a massive bonus for Fulham to be playing this. I think that that would be 
wrong in, in where we are right now. And it, it took me by surprise that there were so many Spurs fans that thought that Fulham, you know, whether whether in jest or not, thought that Fulham were doing this some sort of strategically in order to play them later in the season felt really off to me considering the run of form that they've been in. Yeah, I, I do have to agree to a certain extent. Um, when you're in this period, the festive period, when famously that fixtures come thick and fast, that and managers always talk about that, you know, we're having to, our squad is now stretched and whatnot. Um, I, 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 it's one of those things that's really hard to tell because you can't really just experiment it either way. There's no sort of hard and fast rule for it. Um, I think with Fulham, with their squad as kind of thin as it, arguably thin as it, as it is really, when you look at, when you look at our benches gone by, yes, there's a couple of good players there, but then you look around it, there are players that probably aren't at the level of quality that we need to compete in the Premier League, then maybe, you know, having a very congested fixture list isn't good for us. And having that little bit of rest is, can be very, very good for us, whether it's an extra day or two, you know, I think that Liverpool fans have been, um, you know, doing the odd tweeting here and there about and complaining about how, um, you know, they have to play so many games within like two days or something like that. But, um, for Fulham, we had like the the most amount of rest time in between fixtures. I, you know, I think we would have been prepared for that anyway. And now it's sort of we're at a stage where we're now unprepared for a situation that, you know, could have been in our favour. I think that when Burnley comes on Sunday, I think that we're probably in a better position as well. Burnley, the the difference is that Burnley are on the up. Really, I, I watched that game against Sheffield United the other night and. I mean, Sheffield United aren't playing well at all, but Burnley have been getting better and they're on a bit of a rise. I can't, I can't really say that they played that well to be to be a particularly poor Sheffield United team, but you know there are be- there were better times to play Burnley this season, and the timing on Sunday probably isn't coming at the right one. No, um, for Fulham specifically. Um, you know, I think that a little bit of respite is probably a good thing, especially when you've got players like Tete coming back as well, which I think, you know, I saw Peter Rutzler talk, talking about um, him being involved for the squad on Sunday, which is pretty pretty good. But all it takes is one or two injuries in the squad. And that's where they, they seem to occur the most is within matches. So the less matches at this time of the season is going to be great. But you got to remember, we all got to play 38 Premier League games in between September and and May. So at one stage or another, people can have more fixtures than others. And, you know, at some stage we can have less fixtures and it all evens itself at the end of the day. Yeah. Uh, Jack, looking at the the relegation battle as a whole over the last few days, uh, West Brom picked up such an impressive draw at Liverpool and then really threw it all away with that absolute demolition by Leeds. Brighton look to be more sucked into the battle and, and really can't buy a win. Uh, for themselves, particularly at home. Um, but you have Burnley pulling away, potentially sucking in a couple of more teams, uh, particularly Palace and Newcastle at the moment. Where do you think the relegation battle stands? Fulham obviously have been on a good run of form, but draws are not quite enough to, to pull us closer to those teams above. I, I'm, I'm, I'm finding it hard now to predict the relegation battle. I thought that it was going to be a surefire Fourteen relegation battle all season, and now it's a bit more. It's a bit more nuanced. Who's going to be in it and who's not? 
Well, yeah, I think it would have been naive, if I'm honest, Sammy, and, and not to discredit you, to suggest that it would be a four-team battle because uh, I always thought that Burnley were, you know, Burnley do this almost every year. And actually, if you remember the the last time we were in the Premier League and in that ill-fated season, it was Burnley that set the low pace to begin with. And we beat them at the Cottage quite comprehensively. And weirdly, they were in Europe at the, that time, I believe. And they just didn't have the capacity to fight on both fronts. But once they realised that and worked out things and started to get back into their groove, they started picking up points. And they've basically done exactly the same thing this year. Now, Burnley moving up in the table, I think, was kind of inevitable. I mean, three wins in five is is impressive from them. You know, they've got what, 10 points out of the last 15, which is, you know, nothing to They were looking at. so bad, though, even by Burnley standards and all the trouble in the backroom staff and Shores Dyche not getting what they want. You know, I, I realised that I thought Burnley would come good and, and they do seem to win inevitable games at Turf more, but this time around did feel a bit different for Burnley. Yeah, as in there was a little bit of consternation about the fact that they hadn't really signed who they wanted to. But at the end of the day, you know, Sean Dyche is back fighting a battle on one front here and he has enough players to make that system work. Yeah, of course, they think start the season well. Something that We've seen a couple of times now, not just in that in that season in, in, in 18-19, but it was perhaps most vivid then. And I think we've seen it again this year where things just didn't click. And and ultimately, I think over the over the course of the season that will that will even itself out. I think them catching up with Newcastle and, and perhaps Palace, although I think Palace will have enough, um, it is probably a, a good thing for us. I think that still think Newcastle are the side to get dragged into this. And I'm going to bang on about this until Newcastle physically cannot be dragged into the battle anymore, I imagine. But, (laughs) you know, they're the side that I can see being dragged into the five. And I think there will be five. I've always said I think there'll be a fifth team that drops in. Um, But I I don't think it will be Burnley. I can see Burnley finishing a comfortable 13th. Um, And... But I do think the Newcastle are in trouble. And yes, they've got two games in hand on a lot of teams and and a game in hand on us. But no, those games in hand are against City and Villa. They're not easy games to be looking at. And I really do think that they're going to struggle this season with, with what they've got going on, with the, the fact that Steve Bruce has just hit the panic button, which he did at Villa. And he was like, oh, the fans are causing hysteria. And you remember how that went at Villa after that. So there is a, an element of this that I think, okay, Newcastle could be could be very much in trouble here. And and Brighton play lovely stuff. But again, like you say, can't buy a win at the moment. And and while that's, you know, nice for us, I think it's a it's a game that we we look at and you you look at the Brighton game now again and think, okay, maybe we, we got a point maybe more than we deserved. But at the same time, it's a game that if we'd won, we'd be sitting on top of them quite comfortably now and and with a game in hand and looking looking a little bit less over our shoulders and more towards the boys in front of us. So, yeah, I, I think there will be five, but I think the, the five will be Newcastle, Brighton, Fulham, West Brom and Sheffield United. Yeah, um, I, I, I don't disagree with a lot of that. I think that, you know, as the season ebbs and flows, the teams in and around us, their form will ebb and flow. It's not, we're not you know, we're not anywhere near the top teams, of course. And, you know, their form tends to sort of be win a few, draw a a couple, lose maybe one or two along the way. But, you know, when you're looking in the lower echelons of the Premier League, which where Fulham sit, you know, that's, the the form is very different. And then you'll, you'll get teams like Burnley have got 10 points from the last 15 available. And likewise, you get teams like, you know, Brighton have picked up three points in that time as well. But there'll be points where Brighton, suddenly pick up a couple of wins and then think, you know, things are looking brighter for them. Um, and likewise, the same thing will happen to Fulham as well. You know, we've, we've seen kind of the similar sort of things, you know, our, our form 
um, is not too dissimilar from Brighton. But would you say that Fulham are playing at the same level of Brighton at the moment? I, I would argue no. I think Fulham are actually playing better football have been, you know, we've had a quite a tough run of fixtures as well. Um, probably not got to the points that we deserve in the last in the last five, four or five games. So if you, you know, and that's where sort of like the differences will lie. I think that, you know, I think that Fulham specifically are probably in a better position than Brighton because Brighton are on the down and Fulham seem to be on on the up. But, you know, if you go to look at the relegation battle as a whole, um, you know, I do think that Burnley will will be looking over their shoulder. I don't think they're quite out the woods yet. I think that if things don't necessarily go right for them, it's quite easy for them to get back into a spiral again. Well, we shall see. Uh, Fulham will now have the game in hand, like some of our rivals uh, in the relegation battle. But like many of our rivals, that game in hand uh, is a pretty difficult one away to Spurs. The only thing, the only crumb of comfort I've got, and this is massively optimistic, massively optimistic, but depending on when that Spurs game gets rescheduled, and let's say it was May, I don't think it's going to, but maybe... Fulham fans back in stadiums by then, maybe, you don't know, maybe we get to go to the game. That's the only crumb of comfort. I'm being very wildly optimistic there because I don't think fans will be back in stadiums properly this season, but you just never know. So I'll uh, I'll keep my very rose-tinted glasses uh, crossed on that one. Um, just before we um, have a break, on Sunday's podcast, um, we'd like to invite you to a live recording because today is episode 299, but on Sunday it is due to be episode 300 of the Fulhamish podcast which is uh, very exciting so our plan on Sunday is to stream the episode live on YouTube so the plan is that at 6 30 on Sunday uh, all of the kind of original Fulhamish cast the people were here first uh, myself Jack Farrell Ben and Dom uh, will be recording an episode uh, live on YouTube and you'll be able to ask us questions and we'll record an episode whether the Burnley game happens or not. We don't know at this moment and it's kind of futile to speculate. So please come and join us on YouTube. Basically, the idea is that it's warts and all on YouTube. So we will record, we will press play at 6.30. We'll be live. The podcast might not get recorded for another five or 10 minutes after that because it sometimes takes a lot of faffing about to get the record, the podcast recorded. You'll see me making all my mistakes that I do on every single episode. You'll, uh, we'll chat in between the breaks, etc. So come along 6.30 PM on our YouTube channel, Fulhamish 300 live. And of course, uh, if you can't make it on Sunday, we will be recording the podcast and you can hear all the frivolities then. Uh, Jack, are you ready to be live to the world and, uh, all of the airs and graces that, uh, uh, surround a recording of the Fulhamish podcast to be broadcast. Me go live or oh, always, Sammy. Always. <laughs> Farrell, um, what, what do you think? What do you want people to be asking you on Sunday? What kind of uh, questions w- would you like to, to spice it up, especially if the Burnley game doesn't go ahead? They'd probably ask how Sammy is able to cut down what gibberish I say into something that's largely cohesive. Um, I think that's probably the one that's on the fans' lips, really. Yeah, your your long-wielding sentences will not get the chop from me because we'll be live and there's nothing I can do. People will see how long a foul monk answer is to what did you think of the lineup today? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think apart from that, I think what can Fulham do to stay up this season? 
and and hope Scott Parker is listening to us as well and is is joining in as yeah. usual. If Scott wants to join us live for the episode on Sunday, then he is more than welcome. Well, please do join along. There's no, you don't have to pay anything. You don't have to do it. Just go to our YouTube channel, 6.30 on Sunday. Uh, we'll, of course, discuss the Burnley game if it happens. And if not, then you could just ask us silly questions and we'll just chat bollocks for an hour. If it's not, it's, it's such an open book. If it doesn't go ahead, that that, yeah. that pod could go anywhere. Absolute chaos. I'm part of, yeah. obviously, I want That's the Fulham game I, to happen. I, I, but it could be quite funny if the Fulham game doesn't happen and we just have to wing it for an hour, basically. As opposed to what we normally yeah, do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I hope for one long disagreement between Jack and Dom. Me and Dom will just start quoting the football factory. It's going to be fun. Oh, Jesus Christ. It's going to be like a Rangers v Celtic uh ding dong for for an hour and uh, me farrell and ben will just have to sit there uh, shrugging our shoulders throughout the whole thing right um we're going to take a quick break afterwards uh, we're going to chat to peter rutzler on his take of a weird day to be a fulham fan i'm alex rodriguez and i'm jason kelly from bloomberg this is the deal each week you will hear us in conversation with business icons this show will explore deal making across sports media and entertainment that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back to the Fulhamish podcast. Sammy James here and I am joined by the Fulham writer for The Athletic, Peter Rutzler. Peter, how you doing? I'm all right. Thank you, Sammy. Very good. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Thank you. Hope you had a good Christmas uh, and all of that. And uh, I know you said on the last podcast you were hoping to take a bit of time off, but uh, <laughs> I feel like events have dictated and you've not taken much time off. And here I am taking more of your time. So I, I feel terribly bad, but um, it's been a, it's been a dramatic day in Fulham land, hasn't it? Yeah, it's been, it has been a, a dramatic day, I guess that's, that's the best way to put it. And uh, interrupting my, my, my precious time off, less, less you, more, more the news, I guess. Um, interrupted the Queen's gang. Bit. I was on the final episode when uh, first got wind that something was afoot. So uh, it took me hours to get back to it. Uh, I have finished it. Very good. Would recommend watching it on Netflix. Oh, good. Um, obviously, the game was postponed due to a, a COVID outbreak at Fulham, um, which is never something you want to hear. And I, I do hope that those affected uh, make a, a speedy recovery and that it's not too serious. We've, we've seen that the impact it can have when you look at like Newcastle and, and some of their players. And um, Hopefully, hopefully, Fulham can um, can bounce back quickly and and make sure that it, it doesn't doesn't spread. But as we've seen, as the case numbers rise across the country, it, it's you know it's it becomes less of a surprise, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, do we know how many players or staff at Fulham are affected by this? We know that it was eighteen tested positive amongst the Premier League. And and place like City must be making up a, a substantial number of that, but you'd imagine Fulham are a decent proportion of that. If it was enough to call the game off, 
Yeah, there were a number of positive tests. We don't know the precise number and we wouldn't know the names either just due to medical confidentiality. It would have to come from the player or, or the club on that. Um, but it was enough to cause uh, concern among the club on, on, on Tuesday afternoon um, for them to reach out to the Premier League and say that there may be an issue here. And um, obviously that developed. And then by, by Wednesday, it, it took until what, three hours before kickoff before the Premier League came back and um, told both clubs that the, the game was was postponed based on those those cases. Uh, I'm not entirely sure if those numbers actually came in that Premier League round of testing. Uh, I think there may have been outside testing done by Fulham for those tests that came back on, on Tuesday, um, which has led to you know, the more alarm. And then obviously after the, it was announced that the game was postponed, the whole squad was then, and staff were, were tested again on, on Wednesday. And I think those results will be important in terms of, you know, when the when the team can get back to... To pre- preparations for, for for Burnley and and that game itself, which at the moment, you know, considering everything, that's that's also in doubt. I mean, is Motspur Park open? I noticed today that City reopened their training ground. So is Fulham in complete lockdown at the moment? So uh, Motspur Park is going to be deep cleaned. Um, so you, you naturally assume that it, it's not open. Um, of course, well, however long that process takes, um, in terms of, and that'll also be, you know, as I said, you know, dictated by the the test results that come back. Um, will sort of guide on on what happens next there. But yeah, as as I say, it's it's going to be deep cleaned, and then it'll go from there. Um, as we saw in Manchester City, there's reopened, and that allows them to prepare for for the Chelsea game. So when we are considering Fulham's next game, that's that's kind of a big thing about the the training ground and and personnel and having being able to to work if you can't work then you can't prepare for the game and there's 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 a there's scope for postponement in that in that regard so um yeah it's yeah so at the moment it's 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 difficult it's obviously quite soon uh, as as we're talking anyway um to know exactly precisely what the the time scales are and everything like that um but yeah as i say most of park's been cleaned and do we know why it took so long for the Premier League to announce this as postponed? Um, Josie Mourinho did an Instagram post um, earlier on Wednesday saying, greatest league in the world, don't know if we're playing a game in three hours uh, dressed in his tracksuit. You know, you uncovered this on Tuesday that the game was in severe doubt. And then it's not until 3 p.m. ish on the Wednesday of the game that the Premier League did call it off. Do we do we know why it took such a long time when clearly we knew that there was a problem? No, no, um, I'm not entirely sure why it, it took so long. As I said before, you know, on Tuesday afternoon, Fulham were getting their results back and then they started a dialogue with, with the Premier League. The Premier League themselves, when postponement was confirmed, uh, detailed that it was due to a number of positive cases, but also players showing symptoms today. Uh, and you naturally think that may have been a, an important factor if it wouldn't have been mentioned otherwise. Um, but otherwise, we were all the same as Jose Mourinho, really, from 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 both teams. You know, Fulham were preparing for the game as normal. Um, they would be going through their normal routines, preparing to leave for the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Um, but until that announcement came in, which was only three hours before kickoff, which was very late, and, you know, and <laughs> as Mourinho... Uh, verbalized on Instagram it's um frustrating for for everyone but um but yeah it's well not entirely sure why it was so so late but you can only imagine that one of the cases that came back on on Tuesday night and then also players displaying um symptoms if you know going from what the Premier League have said and has there been any more really from the club any more details I guess it is 
easy as fans to kind of make the jump from Scott Parker was isolating and then suddenly it hit through the rest of the squad. But then surely logically Scott Parker wouldn't have been allowed to return to work and unless he was completely clear. I don't know. Is there any more on maybe how this happened or it was there an event that, that caused um, so many players to get it at the same time? Or is it just the nature of what we're dealing with that with these players in such close contact to each other that if one person gets it, it is likely to spread like wildfire through, through such a close knit unit? It's, it's hard to speculate on that. I mean, it's, you know, probably Fulham are asking the, the same questions the, themselves. I mean, in terms of Scott Parker, he returned two negative tests um, after a member of his household, a member of his family tested positive in self-isolation. So he didn't get his Christmas dinner and um, he had a very different Christmas. I think that's that's fair to say. Um, but so he came back in on Monday, um, having had those two negative tests, absolutely fine. Um, and of course, obviously the news breaks on Tuesday and think, well, you know, I mean, you can easily make that, that jump. But I think, you know, it's, it's too too difficult to make that that sort of conclusion. And, um, you know, as we see, I think it, you know, it's, it's reflective uh, of the situation across the country and especially in London and the southeast. You know, Fulham are not the first club to have issues. Millwall had to postpone two games over the Christmas period because of a COVID outbreak themselves. So um, Fulham aren't alone in that. And I'm I'm very sure they won't be the, the the last club to to be affected by this and it's just one of those things that we're going to have to sort of adapt to really i guess the premier league stance as outlined in that in their statement after postponing the tottenham game is that they're very confident in the protocols in place um that they can reduce the spread and, and that football is, is safe to continue in that way and um and I guess, you know, I think mean, there's been talk about uh, a circuit breaker, but there's a, I think there's a real sense that that's not something that's, that's going to happen, one, in terms of schedule, but also because of those protocols. You know, they do have confidence in them. Um, but, you know, right now, as, as obviously with cases going up, then it increases the, the, the chance that this can happen. You know, you can, you can, pick, you can pick the virus up in, in all sorts of situations. And uh, unfortunately for Fulham, it's, it's, it's afflicted them. And um, the, the Spurs game on, on Wednesday night fell foul of it. And in terms of time scale for, for the Burnley game, it's a Sunday midday kickoff. It was already a pretty tight turnaround for Fulham, um, you know, from a Wednesday evening to Sunday midday. Um, do we have any idea as and when we might know whether this game goes ahead or not? No, I mean, you can just judge from how late the, the Tottenham call was. Um, I think a key part of it will be whether, as, as I said before, how much preparation Fulham will be able to do whether they're able to train, um, what the test results come back from, what, what the test results are like when they come back. Um, and as you say, it is a tight turnaround, which is why this game is is in doubt. Um, it looks like Manchester City's game against Chelsea is likely to go ahead. They've reopened their training ground. They're now back working and they're able to prepare. Uh, I think the protocol is that originally anyway was for, you know, if you didn't have, if you had fewer than 14 players, then you wouldn't actually be able to to play. Now, I, I guess that that changes when there's risk of more exposure and you can't afford to take that risk. And then also, you know, the ability to actually train and, and things like that. So um, those are all factors that will come into it about whether the Burnley game will be able to go ahead. And obviously at the moment, it's just too soon to, to say. But as I say, it's, it's in doubt at the moment.
Okay, well, thank you, Peter. I appreciate there isn't loads of detail that, that you can give at the moment, but certainly following Peter on Twitter is probably the fastest way you're going to find out if that Burnley game is going ahead. He was certainly one of the first to, to break that the game uh, wouldn't happen yesterday. And Peter, there's an article should be out right now as you listen to this uh, himself and Charlie Eccleshare. Um, Peter, it's just kind of covering the timeline of the events that have happened um, in the past week leading up to that postponement on Wednesday yeah it just it just outlines how the postponement happened and um what 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 it means for the upcoming games and and you know and, and a broader context too in terms of the Premier League and um things like the vaccine for example and and what the Premier League sort of stance on that is uh going forward as well so definitely worth checking out just to give a synopsis of, of what's happened over the last uh, couple of days yeah. And if you want to read that, theathletic.com forward slash Fulham pod, if you'd like to subscribe to The Athletic. And if you're looking for uh, the breaking news, uh, Peter was very quick on the postponement yesterday uh, of the match. And uh, following his Twitter at Peter Rutzler uh, is a great one to follow if you want to make sure that you're getting uh, the latest Fulham news first, because uh, he's got his finger on the pulse, our Peter. Uh, <laughs> even on the Sun Lounger. <laughs> yeah, even even when he's on his Christmas holidays, this man does not skip a beat. Um, Peter, thank you for chatting to Fulhamish today. And I guess we will see what happens on Sunday. Yes, yeah, we'll see you soon. Welcome back to the Fulhamish podcast. Sammy James here with Jack Collins. Hello, listeners. And Farrell Monk. Hello, friends. Well, thank you to Peter for giving us a lowdown on, on everything that uh, he experienced today. Uh, lots of hush-hush uh, announcements and uh, back and forth uh, between him and the club, uh, as you would expect uh, as the Fulham writer for, for The Athletic. But uh, good to get a lowdown on exactly what went down today. Uh, an interesting day, and we will wait and see whether that Burnley game happens on Sunday or not. But lads, let's assume for now that it is going ahead. It's, it's a massive game for Fulham on Sunday and Jack at a place that uh, we don't have any fond memories at all uh, Turf Moor it is probably our least favourite ground maybe up there with Goodison Park in the country yeah it's no it's not been a happy place for Fulham has it Um, (laughs) very nice (laughs) easy easy we slot in you know pop culture references here like nobody's business yeah no we'd have a good record there and mostly you know the the one that springs to mind is obviously the most recent visit where Bernie managed to score two goals without having a shot on target um uh, in in a season in a game that probably summed up that campaign really but yeah it's not been a happy hunting ground and and it's one of those strange games where it's somewhere that I'd, I've always kind of liked to like to have gone. I didn't go to the game last time around. So it's one of those places I've always kind of wanted to go. And obviously my, my girlfriend's from Lancashire. So um, it's a it's a place that I, I've driven past before would be my, my take on Burnley. So it's one of those strange ones where it always feels when you go there that we could get something and yet we never do. And I, I figured that maybe this time around things would be a little bit different. This team seems a little bit more cohesive, has a little bit more about it. And and I was really, really looking forward to this game and this matchup, to be honest, uh, in, stylistically as much as anything else. So uh, I am sad that it's, it's not, you know, potentially not going to go ahead, but, but we'll very much see. And I, I think that if it does go on, then then Fulham have a very good chance of winning this this time around. I mean, Jack, just a, you said after the um, Fulham-Brighton game that the nil-nil record still stands because fans weren't there to see it. If Fulham win at Turf Moor, does that mean that the hoodoo's not broken either? 
No, it only works in things that, that I want this work for. And so obviously okay. if you break the hoodoo. <laughs> that hoodoo is based on the ground. This hoodoo is based on Fulham fans not being able to watch it. Okay, okay, that makes total sense. Um, Farrell, you were obviously there that day uh, a couple of years ago at Burnley with me and it it was a bleak day. An even bleaker day because you got um, left behind at a service no was it at the ground or at a service station i can't remember now but i remember you and billy having an awful long way back yes it was thanks for reminding me i didn't think that i would bring up that story again but yeah when it it we left the ground uh we were milling around for a bit while the while we're waiting for the coach it was a pretty rubbish day as as we've already touched on and uh then the coach drove away without us when it was not due to leave for another 10 minutes (laughs) and then it started pouring with rain um just to just to rub it in uh so it certainly wasn't a happy place that day um but i mean apart everything leading up to that was 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 fine apart you know up to the game it was it was a good day out um you know there was the there's the cricket club that's on the corner yeah chips and gravy uh for for a quid or something like that i mean questionable gravy uh but at least the chips i think were made of potatoes but it was it was largely enjoyable the full, fans were in full voice it's uh it's a three-story cricket club as well so you know hopefully it, it's one of those it's one of those away days where um it's unique and it's one of those ones that you you would look forward to to when you go um you know, I, I can't. You know, I can't really remember the last time Fulham actually got a result there. I think the la- the only one I can think of was when uh, it was like two thousand nine, two thousand ten. I think Zamora, in, when he was on his rich vein of form, and you know, blasted a goal home in um, from a, quite an acute angle. I think that was when he was at his sort of like peak form, and everything was going in for him. I don't think we actually won that day. It was, might have been a draw, but I think it shows you know perhaps it's one of those unique away days that you look forward to but not for the football well yeah the record is that fulham haven't won at burnley since 1951 a a 2-0 win on the 21st of april for uh, if there's anyone listening to this podcast that was even remotely had a chance of beer there then uh, please do uh let us know and yeah that day uh was a 1-1 draw in 2009 uh since then we've actually only been to turf more uh, on two occasions uh, and lost both of them. Um, so it's not a place that we've been to loads of times uh, recently. Um, fond memories of that cricket club, though, Farrell. It is awesome there. Um, on to the game, Jack. We know what a Burnley team's all about. It's it's Sean Dyche. They're well organised. They tend not to concede many goals. Um, and, and Fulham, obviously, not doing so well in attack at the moment. Uh, how do you see uh, Scott Parker trying to approach this? Do you think he'll stick with his counter-attacking system that he has been doing? Or will he maybe adapt the system to try and hold on to the ball a bit more and 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 try and break Burnley down that way? Yeah, I'm I'm not 100% sure how he goes about this. And, you know, obviously I was looking at the, the Spurs game in the last episode and, and working out different things. And I don't think you go man for man with Burnley. And and I think it would be a case of just trying to get Adam Ola Lookman on the, mall, uh, on the ball and trying to make things happen. And it, it'd be interesting to see if he went back to a kind of 4-2-3-1 as opposed to the kind of five at the back that we've seen. You know, there isn't too much of an overload from Burnley in, in regard to other players from, from midfield getting forward. It is, you know, mostly the front two and the two wingers the two, the two central midfielders don't tend to pop up with, with too many goals which means that you can kind of mark man for man a little bit more uh, against the Sean Dyche side and and I think it would have been an incredible test for for Jerkim Anderson and Tosin Adrabayo in terms of 
what they bring uh, aerially, what they bring aggressively, and and how much they would have to to fight against Wooden Barnes, who are starting to find their rhythm again a little bit. And and you know also in terms of stopping the crosses from from players like Dwight McNeil and and whoever would play on that other side, whether it be Johan Berggudmundsen or, or whatever. But there, there's lots of different you know elements to this Burnley side but you know you know vaguely how they're going to attack and and what I'd be interested in is is if Scott went back to that 4-2-3-1 would it have included Alexander Mitrovic when actually the physical battle is perhaps not what you want against the centre-back duo of Tarkovsky and me actually what you want is is to be able to to, to you know to face them up to to get them one-on-one and and, and try and attack them that way because you know, you're probably not going to get much change out of them in the air. And and so in that regard, I'd love to have just seen how, how Scott would have landed this up. I would have probably done that, gone 4-2-3-1, pushed Bobby Reed up top, I think, maybe, and and gone with, with two out-and-out wingers um, to, to try and really, you know, push that in and, and get into them and, and play play with those inverted wingers, kind of supporting a, a striker who who would like to get the ball in the back of net and then bring Mitrovic on to kind of jackhammer it if we needed to late on. Um, but I think it would have been a game for Tom Kearney. Yeah, I like that you're talking about it like would have been and almost like you just know that it's probably not happening. Um, yeah, I've Barrel... convinced myself it's off and, and actually I don't know I don't know why I've done so. I've just, I'm just absolutely convinced this game isn't going to go ahead. Yeah, I'm also pretty convinced as well, but I guess we just have to wait and see like with all things coronavirus uh, no point making any plans ever um farrell um would you would you go back to four two three one would you would you play mitrovic i i get jack's point about not wanting mitrovic but then again i feel like this is the kind of game where it's his bread and butter and he, and he he's always up for the fight even if it is against you know tough center backs like tarkovsky and me well the 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 thing about this game is that you have to look at and it's you know there's you can talk about we need to play our own game and that's how we're going to get results but you know you can only face the side that's in front of you as has been as a phrase old as time um and burnley play a particular way and they are used to not having a lot of the ball and defending and having that low block and defending in numbers and they don't mind having their fullbacks one on one against a winger because they'll be prepared for them getting around and having either a, a covering midfielder or a centre back coming and taking the way. I think that I think we've got to look at other teams that we face this season and see and see how we can get success out of that. And we had one recently with Newcastle, and as we know, Steve Bruce sets up that team in kind of a a similar way. Um, and what we did, and what we did very very well, is tempt them out the shell. You know, we we had a lot of possession in and around our own box. And that's how we were sort of getting a lot of joy because then we were finding space in in behind to sort of um, to sort of like have them on the back foot. And we we were doing really well. And I think that's the way we're going to actually do it with Burnley. Uh, the other way, and I do I do take the point of having, you know, a Kearney and a Mitrovic up, up near top um, because spaces will be limited in around that, the box and Mitrovic will try and do absolutely everything to sort of shift it a couple of yards and bully their, bully the, you know, me and Tarkovsky to try and get shots away. I think to start off with, I think we've got to go the opposite way and, you know, stick with what we've got and what we've been playing with so far, you know, you know, and having Bobby Reed in that sort of wing back um, winger position that he's been doing so well in, because he, he's the one that can have it picking that ball up in deep positions 
playing neat little one twos and all of a sudden, you know, we've got Burnley backpedaling and that's not where they want to be. I think that's the way we're going to sort of get joy from this Burnley team. That's not totally ruling out someone like Kearney because he did feature in that Newcastle game and was largely effective, although didn't produce that many clear cut chances. Okay, well, we'll see what happens on Sunday, whether the game happens or not, what lineups got Parker picks and uh, whether we have anything to talk about for our Fulhamish 300 episode. It's all so up in the air. I mean, right now, I don't know what my plans are for, for New Year's Eve. Not much. So uh, trying to predict what I'm doing on the 3rd of January uh, seems very, very uh, frivolous indeed. Um, thank you very much for listening today. Uh, hopefully it's brought you a bit of uh, New Year cheer because there's not a lot much uh, going on around here as we enter lots of new tiers. I didn't mean to make that all rhyme, but it just did. Uh, Jack Collins, thank you very much. Thank you very much. I'm going to have to give up my crowd to, to a new poet supremo, apparently, something. Yeah, I know. I just did that on the spot as well. Uh, absolute madness. Uh, Harold Monk, thank you very much. I'll just go over the very bland. Thank you very much. Nice one. Uh, have a happy new year wherever you are, and we'll see what happens on Sunday. Please do join us as well for Th- Fulhamish 300, Sunday, 6.30 p.m. on YouTube. And if you can't make it, then listen to the podcast that will be coming out Monday morning. Come on, you whites. You whites, happy new year. Yeah.